How's it going, guys? It is September 22nd, episode 177. Today, I have Dr. Marcus Frankie, partner at C-Labs, uh, working on Celo. Celo is a blockchain just like Ethereum, Cardano, Solana that is taking a mobile-first approach and trying to create more prosperity for all with more ease of access and openness to financial instruments and tools. So be sure to check out the episode to learn more and subscribe if you have not already and share this episode with somebody that you think would like to learn more about blockchain, Dr. Marcus Frankie, and Cello and C-Labs. Enjoy. All right, Marcus, welcome to the Blockhash podcast live. How you doing? Good. Hi, Brandon. Great to see you. Happy, happy to chat. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very good. Um, you know, where, where are you from? Actually, I'm from, from Germany, currently in Germany and, and based in Berlin. Ah, so you're German. Um, yes. How long have you been in Germany for? Uh, did you grow up there or did you just yes. work there? Grew up in Germany. Um, when I started working on Cello, um, I, we, we started actually in San Francisco, um, but spent most of my career before that uh, in, in Germany. And then early on, we decided to also open up an office in Berlin. Berlin is a really cool city. A lot is going on in crypto in, in Berlin. Uh, a lot of blockchain projects start in Berlin. A lot of developers are in Berlin. It's an interesting city. It was a divided city with different currencies uh, and, and a wall that, that uh, divided it. And, and therefore, I think today, blockchain technology likes the history, also likes the creative scene in Berlin. And therefore, it feels good to be here. Yeah, I remember going to Berlin about four years ago, um, and they had a bunch of crypto conferences and stuff like that. And they seem to be one of the first countries to really move on crypto and start um, trying to legislate it or at least put out some kind of guidance in, in terms of how it could be used, at least within Germany. Um, I think Germany and Switzerland, too, I think they were the first countries in Europe to do it. Yeah, true. And uh, Europe in general tries to yeah, find a European-wide uh, stance on, on crypto, um, for example, the markets in crypto asset regulations or short Mika is around the corner so that it's like a, a more uh, more common approach for all of Europe. Um, but Berlin is a open city, open for everyone, very diverse city um, and, and uh, a lot of developers are in Berlin. So the blockchain scene came early on. Also in, in Germany, I think banks were are allowed to hold crypto and custody crypto for for quite some time now not many banks make use of it but the the scene is still there yeah is there any type of like regulation or guidance in germany right now around crypto and uh, how it can be used or it, anything like that um it's a lot is still um, unclear. Banks can actually um, hold and custody crypto for their users. Um, of course, there's strict guidance and regulation uh, around uh, all the KYC, AML um, things that, that, for example, exchanges um, have to work with, especially on, on stablecoin. Um, there are some things in, in the works and, and uh, we as, as an industry really hope that here Germany will work together with the European Commission, with Europe um, uh, to 
yeah, under Mika to to be a, a environment that that is still uh, friendly for innovation. Um, currently, the the regulation for stablecoins, for example, is around a e-money regulation. Um, but I, I guess uh, in within Mika, this will change again. And the interesting thing is, we were chatting with um, the European Commission. Actually, the regulator is now quite aware that there are big differences between more decentralized approaches and centralized approaches. For example, they see fiat-backed stablecoins as a centralized approach since it has a central element, a bank that is holding fiat, and therefore maybe also an entity that needs to be regulated in some form to make sure that the collateral is actually there. And seeing decentralized stablecoins, for example, algorithmic stablecoins as a, a much better approach since they then can regulate the code or at least audit the code instead of the bank that is holding the collateral, which also makes their life easier. So I, mm-hmm. I really like this, um, yeah, this notion that, that in Europe they are more open for decentralized approaches. And this is, of course, also uh, great for, for Cello being fully decentralized, being fully permissionless and, and open for everyone. Well, that's good. I'm glad for Europe. I mean, the U.S., it doesn't seem like we're going that direction. If we, we get some uh, some new legislation passed, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff being pushed in Congress, and they're trying to even make stable coins illegal. Um, and, you know, it's this whole push for um, a CBDC through the Federal Reserve, and they're trying to, um, they've already given them authorization to do so, and they do so in this bill. Um, I think that's a huge reason why. Have you looked at it at all? Do you have any thoughts on um, that bill and how that could impact, you know, maybe at least in the States, crypto innovation, and maybe that could drive it potentially elsewhere, maybe back into Europe. Um, any thoughts along those lines? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not an expert here, um, but and and only looked at it like on a very high level. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I would fully agree with your thought that it's not very friendly uh, or innovation friendly, the bill in general. It's also it doesn't differentiate uh, in uh, too much in like centralized and decentralized approaches, uh, which probably uh, after a bill like this would go into effect, would, would probably again raise many, many questions what happens with like fully decentralized networks and so on. Um, so, yeah, I, I really hope that that uh, this uh, will be improved going forward um, because, yeah, I actually can see that this drives crypto to, uh, or the industry at least, to, uh, to other countries. Since, I mean, the industry is global, um, the, the use cases are global, um, developers can, can actually sit anywhere and work on it. Um, so I, I, I don't think that this is, would be uh, the best thing for, for the U.S., for the industry. Yeah, I don't think it'd be the best for the industry, at least, um, you know, in terms of doing any kind of innovation around crypto or blockchain in the States, if they pass something like this, I think it's a little too radical. There's a lot of things in there that don't make sense. And I think it's going to get highly amended before it gets passed. If it ever gets passed and nothing ever does really get passed in Congress, unless it's some huge bipartisan push. So I'm not overly worried about it, but it's a little concerning that senators and congressmen and women, you know, think that way. And I think a lot of this, a lot of these like stricter regulation we now see is that that people are just like still 
insecure or unsure what this technology can actually do, where the potential benefits of this technology are. And, and um, because of lack in knowledge um, on this technology, I, I think sometimes people first go a much stricter or much harder way also in terms of regulation. Um, we are, for example, on the whole topic on CBDCs, central bank digital currencies, there's a nice conference next week uh, together with Forbes and Cello talking about uh, central bank digital currencies um, and uh, with different regulators, also with different uh, NGOs and, and central banks, because the interest also from that side is there and i think also the the crypto world can actually benefit from from it when like the two worlds the the central banks and and the crypto world or the blockchain world the fully decentralized world talk to each other um, because in the end also for central banks considering a public ledger is a huge opportunity in terms of immediately adopting something that would be interoperable with so many other things and for example on cello we focus a lot on interoperability with other um, other networks, other blockchains to make it like the most open, the most interoperable, the fastest and 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 the cheapest network to send transactions. And and a, a central bank can actually make use uh, for uh, of it because it's permissionless. So also a central bank would be permission to to build something on top of Celo. Yeah, it's very beneficial for central banks. I'm questioning whether or not it'll be good or bad in the end, but it's um, it'll definitely be good for them and it'll create a lot of interesting new avenues in finance. Um, and I want to talk about Cello, but before we do, tell me a little bit more about uh, your background and your prior work. You know, How did you go from wherever you were before um, into crypto and blockchain and, and being in this crazy world? Yeah, happy to. Um, actually, I'm an economist, um, so I, I did my like uh, research in, in university and uh, training. I did in economics. Um, I did a PhD in economics, um, worked in research at different universities um, for some time, and then went first into traditional finance, uh, worked in asset management and investment banking as a portfolio manager, managing basically traditional um, funds. And um, then I was chatting with a very good friend um, and, and he told me about the potential of blockchain technology um, to build a more open and inclusive financial system. And, and I liked this approach a lot um, and, and I looked more into it. It was now yeah, more than four years ago um, when, when, when this friend um, told me about it. And, um, this good friend, René, he also told me that they are starting a project called Cello um, that has the mission to build a more open and inclusive financial system that creates conditions for prosperity for everyone. And that, um, of course, when starting this project, Cello, we need a lot of skilled developers, but um, we also need some, some economists. And this is basically where I found my role. Um, looking into platform economics, looking into token economics, looking into different stablecoin designs, um, doing research there, um, and, and uh, therefore, uh, yeah, working on Cello now for four years, um, and uh, still very, very excited to be in this industry, to be part of this great community, um, and and uh, to to work on this great technology. 
Yeah, so explain Cello a little bit more to me. Like, what are you guys um, aiming to do? What's the what's the goal? What's the mission? Um, what, what's the end end idea? Yeah, I'm happy to. So, the mission of of Cello is to build a financial system that creates conditions for prosperity for everyone. So something that is more inclusive and more people can can make use of. And when we look at blockchain technology, I think the whole industry knows how powerful um, it is. However, sometimes it's complicated to use for non-crypto natives or non-experts. Um, assets that are living on blockchains mm -hmm. are uh, very volatile and, and therefore there are some barriers uh, that, that uh, led to lower adoption so far and we actually want to change that. And when we talk about Cello, we usually talk about three things, mobile, open and real. Um, and mobile means um, Cello is a mobile-first uh, blockchain. You can sa start uh, sending, spending, earning crypto from your mobile right away. Um, therefore, the Cello blockchain as a layer one protocol supports um, ultra-light clients like simple mobile phones. And today... Uh, by just knowing, for example, your phone number, I can send you a cello dollar or a cello euro. It will arrive within five seconds. That's the block time of, of the cello blockchain. Um, the transaction fees will be super low. And um, I can even pay um, the, the gas fees in the same currency. So if I send you cello euro because you're in Europe, then I can pay in cello, in cello euro for gas. And if I would send you cello dollar, I can pay for gas and sell a dollar. And then the second part, the open part is Cello is fully open source and permissionless. So everyone can uh, build decentralized apps um, and uh, on top of Cello, um, it's a, a proof of stake blockchain um, on docs.cello.org. Everyone can, can have a look at how, how um, the blockchain works. Um, it, uh, I, I already said it's a um, proof of stake network um, and uh, with this open source approach, um, we are now, yeah, want to engage more and more developers that, that build their solutions on top of Zello. If they, for example, want to build something uh, in the DeFi space that is mobile first, then because there are uh, 8 billion smartphones in the world out there, um, then they should um, should build it on, on Cello because it, it is optimized for, for mobile. And, and therefore, it's great that we now already have active developers in more than 113 countries of the world. So the ecosystem on, on Cello currently is growing uh, very fast. And then the last part, real Cello in the end is built for, for real use cases um, like payments, remittances, as, um, borrowing, lending um, and, and um, all these features being mobile first, um, being very easy to use, um, being very fast, very scalable, enables like remittances, for example. And then some nice uh, side features are that Cello is fully carbon negative, um, so it's also um, good for the environment and something where we want to do more and more research and, and create more and more interest for developers or, or incentives for developers to build nice features 
um, and and uh, yeah, that's that's Cello. Nice. I, there's a lot of stuff there. I have a few questions. Um, when you say carbon negative, um, how, how does Cello achieve that? So it's it's achieved on different levels. The first level is basically proof of stake is is less carbon intense than than proof of work. Um, it needs a less computing power. The second level is basically on a blockchain level, on a um, on the governance level, um, there is a offset um, of carbon emissions that is currently financed by block rewards. So basically. Um, with every block rewards, uh, um, carbon emissions are offset. We're currently working, uh, for example, with Project REN um, that in the end for block rewards uh, plants trees. Um, but we want to do um, many more things. And actually the idea behind Cello is, is also to really innovate on, on money. And one thing that we really could see in the near future would be nature-backed currencies. Um, so um, one of the cello founders, Sepp Kamwa, um, he um, and, and Charles Eisenstein in Sacred Economics um, both tell the story about um, when gold-backed money, people tended to mint gold because it's like printing money. So if we would be able with this technology to back a currency with nature, um, people would uh, yeah, attribute higher values to a tree or, or something that backs money. And therefore, um, we, we uh, have an open request for proposals that um, people can get a grant if they develop something on Cello to tokenize trees, for example. We uh, are in the process of adding also a tokenized carbon credit uh, built by the Moss project to the Cello Reserve. Um, so a lot of projects that also go into that direction um, with a, a open platform like this, you can set the right incentives that, that are good for the environment. Yeah, you said tokenized trees. <laughs> how, how do you tokenize a tree? In, in the end, um, for example, the whole um, the whole NFT movement we've mm -hmm. seen in the past, also on Cello, many of the NFT projects that build on Cello are coming from the creative space, from the art space, which is great. It's it's absolutely great that the creative space can make use of this technology. Um, but I think this is just the start. NFTs could also be a a tree, um, a, a tokenized tree. Yeah, that's um, true. Um, because or, or anything else, it could also be uh, a clean air or, or clean water or anything we would like to see more of. And um, there are first projects that uh, maybe either buy up land and, and want to plant trees and maybe have a, a token economic system in place that basically creates the incentives to, to also for others to, to help with that, to plant more trees, for example. Um, and and the nice thing about tokenization is on a blockchain like Celo that makes transactions very cheap, very fast and very easy, um, you can make these things uh, more like more and easier, like transferable and tradable. So, for example, carbon credit is something that is that already exists um, in, in different ways. It is already either securitized or tokenized. Um, and with like tokenization on a blockchain, you make it 
more accessible and easier to transfer. So, um, for example, you could uh, think of carbon credit that lives on the Vera registry, and then there's a project that buys up some of these carbon credits, puts it into a pool, issues a token against this pool, and, and therefore gives more people access to, to carbon credits. And um, the same could be done for, for trees, which would be great. Yeah, that would be cool. It would be cool if you could tokenize a tree or make an NFT of a tree um, to, to promote, you know, trees or maybe replanting trees or something yeah. along those lines. It'd be pretty cool. Um, and it's a great way to raise money. I've seen people raise all kinds of um, crazy dollars using NFTs. The, the craze nowadays is ridiculous. Yeah, and I mean, with these with these assets, you, you can, like, in the end, build so many things on, on Celo. So, for example, adding carbon credit or tokenized carbon credit in form of the cello moss token to the cello reserve is, is a first step you could like imagine very soon to have stable coins living on cello that are fully backed by trees um, and and uh, issuing more stable coins or more demand for stable coins would then lead to more demand for trees and give trees higher value and people would need mm -hmm. to plant trees to create money which which uh, would be a very interesting um interesting approach and in general i mean having a a platform that is um that allows you to also um yeah that not only makes transfers very easy and fast and efficient but also um, makes the use of of the tokens on the platform um, very easy and accessible allows you to innovate in, in many more directions. You could imagine also local currencies on, on Celo. So far, uh, next to the two um, global stable coins on Celo, the Celo dollar and the Celo euro, um, we see many projects in different markets that issue uh, local, um, local currencies um, on Celo. Um, next to the Celo Euro, there's also a Celo West African franc. Um, so we see more and more currencies also emerging on Celo, and this is this is a great um, development, and and uh, um, and and therefore, yeah, I'm I'm happy uh, to see that the community is really excited to build these things. Yeah, it seems very exciting. I mean, I want a tree-backed currency like Pine Token or something like that. Would be yeah, pretty cool. Exactly. Um, as a platform, you know, Cello, 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 Cello as a platform, um, how does that stack up with, you know, other popular existing blockchains and places to build dApps and applications and stuff like that, like Ethereum, Cardano, Solana is incredibly popular right now. Um, you know, how does, um, how do you feel Cello fits in, in that niche? Um, so I think um, Cello as a, as a platform is a mobile first platform. So mm -hmm. if you want to build a, a, a DAP um, and if you want to build it for mobile as a mobile developer, um, you should consider Salo as, as a blockchain um, because it's, it's optimized. It has a identity solution. It is uh, transactions are much lighter than in any other blockchains. A, a transfer on Salo needs uh, 700,000 times less data than other platforms. Block time is five seconds. So it is um, a very fast finality of, of payments on Cello. On and you can see that Cello really is optimized for transactions that after mainnet launch, um, 
we uh, we went to I think after a few months we went to one million and transactions um, and and then had uh, after a few more months twelve million transactions which was more than for example Cosmos Polkadot and Near and if if you look at it today uh, we we add a million transaction I think per per week or so so we are now at thirty million transactions or close to thirty million transactions. Um, and and th this really shows that that Cello is optimized for for many many transactions. Um, Cello is a fork of Ethereum Gas. Um, so if you're a Ethereum developer, um, then uh, you can easily also build on Cello because um, also the smart contract language on Cello is also Solidity. Um, so everything should look and feel very familiar. Um, and the nice thing about Cello is we've invested a lot into interoperability over um, the last uh, year. Um, so um, C-Labs uh, partnered uh, with uh, the Suma team around James Presswich um, and uh, the a larger team that developed an interoperability protocol called Optics that standardizes communication um, from Cello to other EVM compatible chains. Um, and and now this leads to uh, the development of a lot of bridges um, from different blockchains um, to to Cello. Um, and then, as basically um, in the in the recent weeks, um, there was the announcement of DeFi for the People, a large DeFi initiative on Cello um, that was kicked off. Um, that basically many different decentralized exchanges uh, now also deploy on Celo. I think we will we we already saw the uh, first decentralized exchanges deploying on Celo, and going forward, you see many more. Um, to yeah, to also um, create a lot of liquidity to be able to fulfill on this mission um, of of financial inclusion with much higher liquidities. So if you're active in the DeFi space and if you like to um, farm yields or if you like to uh, lend and borrow, um, you, you should also consider Cello because of low block times and, and very low gas fees. Um, it, it makes also farming, for example, super efficient on your mobile phone. Got it. Let me ask you, um, why why have a mobile first approach? Is it because so many people have a smartphone in their hands, you know, throughout the world more than they do an actual computer? Um, or is it a more specific, um, you know, idea? Yeah, so it's the first thing is, if you want to like really go grow to huge adoption, um, I think the way is, is, is mobile. There are, as I said, like uh, 8 billion smartphones in the world already. And if you look at, for example, the Ericsson Mobility Report, which says this number 8 billion smartphones and 6 billion smartphone users um, around the world, it also shows you that, um, that connectivity is getting better and better worldwide. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I think that is a first very good reason. Um, if you want to have broad adoption, many, many people have access to a smartphone, even in countries where they don't maybe have access to, to a bank or access to a stable currency. So I think that is the first reason um, f uh, to have broader, um, yeah, or to be more inclusive and broader adoption. The second reason is 
Developing also dApps on Cello for smartphone forces you to really focus on the most important things and to make it really usable. Um, and, and I think if you then go from a mobile-first dApp to a web-based dApp, then you can still build like functionality and, and add functionality, um, but it really forces you to, to focus on mobile. Another reason is, for example, as I, I told you, in the Valora app, which is a, um, a wallet uh, native to Celo that allows you to send, for example, Celo dollar and Celo euro, um, it allows you to send it to anyone um, in your phone book. And actually, therefore, Celo has an identity solution that connects to your phone book and connecting these millions and millions of phone books of these billions of smartphones is basically creating a huge um, social network uh, where you then can think about even more interesting features like building other trust features into that, uh, maybe in a certain community. Uh, the people who are in your phone book uh, have a higher initial trust score or things like that. Um, so it, 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 it enables interesting things. And having that identity feature, for example, also enables for something like universal basic income. Um, so um, Impact Market, for example, is a project that builds mobile-first universal basic income on, on Celo and is active in, 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 in many regions of the world already um, where, where people maybe don't have access to a powerful computer, but access um, to a smartphone. Um, so, and then, I mean, of course, also people who, who want to be in the DeFi space uh, uh, sometimes are on the road and, and want to see what happens in, 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 in their farms and so on. Um, and, and therefore, also the mobile feature helps. And mobile phones become, like recently, more and more secure as well, um, which which um, also helps with, uh, for example, KYC features and others that can be built for mobile. Yeah, you know, the crazy thing to think about is of all the blockchain applications that have been created um, that have led to DeFi and NFTs and, um, you know, all these crazy things that we have today, it's like, I have two phones, um, so, <laughs> but it's... I don't understand why we haven't had a whole bunch of dApps built like applications for your phone yet. Like, I hope yeah. that's the direction we're eventually going. Like, I want to be able to use a decentralized, like Uber, for example, or a decentralized yeah. Airbnb type of app exactly. on my phone. Like, I get the the use cases like through the computer and stuff and through your browser and, and being able to do stuff um, from that perspective. But I really think the future of decentralized applications, it's on the phone. It's no different than, you know, when you download apps from the App Store or Android Store. Um, I'm just surprised we haven't gotten that far yet, and I feel like that's the direction it has to go. Maybe you agree, being a mobile-first, um, taking a mobile-first approach with Cello, um, and maybe that's the direction you guys are going to. Who knows, right? Yeah, and I mean, if you're uh, a, a developer out there and want to build something uh, for mobile adoption, um, then, for example, check out cello.org. There are a billion different ways how you can like learn about Cello. Of course, there's the docs page. There's also ways how to get funding if you want to build something interesting on top of Cello. Um, there's a very active community uh, around Cello, for example, also on, on Discord, if you go to chat.cello.org. So if you, if you consider to build something for mobile, 
um, yeah, check check out Cello. The, the nice thing is it already has like so many features that makes it easy um, to, for example, connect uh, users that have a mobile phone um, with this phone number link that, that um, links a hash of the phone number to a public um, wallet address. It, it also allows for ultra fast sync for ultra light clients. Um, mm -hmm. So you don't always have to have to sync with like a, a full node. You have the light client support. Um, and and um, I think, yeah, this, this enables all these applications, hopefully in the future. And it's, yeah, I think the way to go is to do all this in an open source way so that like all the developers out there can can make use of these features and build their apps on, on top of Celo. What where should people go if they want to learn more about Celo or how to use it or how to build on it? Should they just go to the website? Is there a blog and medium? Should they go into the community? Is there a Discord or a Telegram? Yeah, so the website is, is a good start um, on, on cello.org. You find like a section for developers. You find a section about the community, the ecosystem. Um, of course, Discord on chat.cello.org is also great um, because you can, can connect with like so many different developers. There's a Cello bootcamp and people can can check that out. Um, there's a, a, a bootcamp that runs again and again where people can learn how to develop on, on Cello. Um, there's also a Medium blog um, for, for, um, of, of Cello that, that uh, is basically medium.com slash celloorg. There you can also um, find a bunch of like recent developments. Um, so there are actually like tons of, of, of different ways how to, how to connect. Um, currently, um, and there's a, a team um, working on, on optics um, if, uh, that builds interoperability um, that you can also reach, for example, on, on Discord if you want to build something there. Um, yeah, uh, check it out. Um, there's also the Cello Foundation that gives grants. So if you have a, a interesting idea of a project um, you, you would like to build on top of Cello, you can go to the website and check out the grant kit that actually uh, yeah, explains everything you need to know to, to get a grant if you build something interesting on top of Cello. Perfect. Awesome. I think that's a good place to wrap up. Covered a ton of stuff. Marcus, thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast and share um, all this information on Cello with my audience and to help enlighten them on what you guys are doing. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Thanks for the conversation. Really, really interesting uh, to, to chat with you. Exciting. Absolutely. Likewise. Um, hopefully we'll chat again in the future. Yeah, hopefully. Thanks. Yeah, take care. See you Talk next time. Soon. Cheers. Bye.